Welcome to episode 96 of Crack the Customer Code. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with a hater of bad customer service, my co-host, Adam Toporek. A hater? Oh, gosh. You had to go negative. You could have called me a hugger. (laughs) Yes, we're talking to Jay Bear today about his new book, Hug Your Haters. But you do hate bad customer service, right? I do, as we all do. And uh, Jay's got some great tips. I mean, uh, there's so much research in this book, so much wisdom in this interview. It's amazing. It's a really good one. And we can't wait to get to it. But before we introduce our listeners to the idea of hugging their haters with Jay Bear, you have something nobody hates. (laughs) I don't know. There may be a list, but hopefully not. So did you know that you can hire me to speak at your next conference or meeting? My keynote speeches on customer service and customer experience are designed to energize and inspire your audience and to provide actionable takeaways that teams can use immediately to deliver hero class customer service. Whether to an audience of business leaders or frontline employees, my talks explore how we interact with customers using some of the latest research in customer experience, psychology, and neuroscience. Your audience will leave energized, enthused, and Jeannie, ready to take action. <laughs> Want to rock your next event? Go to keynotespeaker.rocks. That is keynotespeaker.rocks. Dot rocks. R-O-C-K-S. In the USA. All right. We have new sponsorship packages which can help your message be heard. Check them out and join us at crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor. All right. Well, we have a fabulous guest today, and I am thrilled to introduce Jay Bear. Jay Bear is a digital business expert, global keynote speaker, and the New York Times bestselling author of Utility. He has advised some of the most iconic brands and organizations in the world, including Nike, Best Buy, and the United Nations. He has also contributed to Inc., Entrepreneur, and Forbes. His Convince and Converts media division produces the world's number one content marketing blog and multiple award-winning podcasts. For more information, see HugYourHaters.com and listen to this episode of Crack the Customer Code because we are about to talk to Jay. Well, Jay, thanks so much for being here with us today. We're thrilled to talk to you. So how are you doing? I am fantastic. I'm in the middle of uh, of book launch craziness, uh, as as you know. So <laughs> Uh, I'm as good as can be expected, I think, is the, is the actual way I would, I would describe that. Well, we appreciate you, you know, caffeinating or whatever you need to do to oh, yes. be oh, here with for us. Sure. For sure. <laughs> and, you know, I was just uh, sharing that I really have been enjoying your book and I've really been kind of fascinated with the process of how you went about actually writing it. And so I'm wondering, can we start with just tell us the story of kind of why you did this? Why sure. write Hug Your Haters? And sure. is it based on... Have you ever been an unheard hater yourself? Well, of course. I think everybody. <laughs> I think everybody has has uh, everybody has has logged complaints against the company and 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 not heard back, which takes a a bad situation and makes it manifestly worse. Uh, but the, the sort of how this came about is in our consulting practice at Convince and Convert, we work with a lot of big brands, mostly in content marketing, social marketing, and, and what we saw was this continued convergence 
of proactive versus reactive issues. We've well, got one team who's trying to use social media, for example, for marketing, another team that's trying to use social media for customer service. And, and, and it was like the blind leading the naked. Um, it was really, <laughs> it was just a mess, right? And, and especially for big companies, um, small companies too, but, but especially for big companies, we've got to kind of figure this out because nobody really knows the truth here. And so uh, I set out to, to solve those issues and, and provide uh, a very modern look at, at customer service that, that balances both uh, offline legacy channels and, and the online channels that are emerging so quickly. But I wanted to do it based on some sort of mathematical reality, not just you know anecdote and here, do what I say because I say so. Uh, and so I partnered with Edison Research, a very large, respected uh, consumer attitude collection company. And we, we did a massive, massive survey uh, on the science of complaint. So we looked at thousands and thousands of people uh, and, and we studied who complains and where they complain and why they complain and how. Uh, and, and the results of that research form the, the foundation of the book, Hug Your Haters. Lots of other interviews. I did 50 or 60 interviews um, for the book as well and other research that I cited that other people have performed. But the research that I did with Edison uh, is, is really the spine of the recommendations inside Hug Your Haters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really well researched and it's really fascinating. I think some of the questions that you guys asked and some of the some of the results that you got about who these people are and why they're doing what they're doing. Thanks. It's, go ahead, Adam. Oh, please. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the thing that was really fascinating to us was that there isn't one type of complainer, right? It's not a homogenous group that, that where you complain, what technology you use to complain uh, fundamentally impacts your expectations uh, and, and the outcomes of your uh, interplay with the company, large or small. So, so more so than demographics, more so than any other characteristic, where you complain, what you use to complain, whether it's phone or Facebook, uh, whether it's email or Twitter, whether it's uh, you know, skywriting or Yelp, <laughs> where, where, which is an unusual pairing, but you never know. Uh, where you complain has the biggest impact on what happens next. So, so are we basically back to the medium as the message? Well, <laughs> to some degree. I mean, at some level, <laughs> at some level, and and not only is the medium the message. In this case, it's more the medium guides the expectations because offline, the legacy channels, phone, email, etc., um, consumers expect to hear back ninety percent of the time, according to our research. If you complain on the phone or email, you expect to hear back from the company, and I'm sure that uh, passes the sniff test for everybody. If you email a company, you anticipate and expect they'll get back to you, etc. Online, however, Adam less than half of the people who complain online, social media, discussion boards, review sites, et cetera, fewer than half of those people even expect or anticipate a company to get back. And so this is one of the key lessons in Hug Your Haters is that there's this colossal opportunity for business to hug those on stage, we call them haters, people who complain online, because you can have a massive impact on customer loyalty. It blows their minds and steals their hearts because they didn't expect you to get back to them. So when you do get back to them, they're like, whoa, wait a second, you're even listening? I can't believe it. Uh, and it, and it actually really has a a, a big uh, a big impact. I mean, a third now, a third of customer complaints are ignored, and almost all of those ignored complaints are online, which is crazy because online is where customer service is a spectator sport. You would literally be better off not answering the phone because then you're at least making one person unhappy in private. Right. Right. It's very true. Interesting. Well, one, you know, Jenny talked about the what you pulled from the data and the research. And one of the things that was interesting is the hatrix. And this, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, you, you need like the red pill to see it or right. <laughs> how that right. works. But tell us about the hatrix and who complains about what. 
So the Hatrix uh, is, is sort of the breakdown of, of who complains and where and the difference between the onstage haters who complain online and the offstage haters who complain uh, offline. And there's a bunch of research actually that is not in the book. There's so much more stuff that we couldn't fit into the book. And there's actually a whole uh, separate report called Hate Ain't Equal, which talks about how different um, – uh, gender characteristics and, and categories of business complain. For example, uh, women complain way more about restaurants. Uh, men complain way more about automotive. There's a lot of interesting things there that, that stands to reason. So um, in the Hatrix, we, we show um, the, the impact of answering a customer complaint by channel. So we talked a moment ago that the channel uh, is so important. So for example, if you answer a customer complaint on the phone, you get a 10 to 12% lift in customer advocacy. Not huge because, again, everybody expects you to answer the phone. However, if you don't answer the phone, you have a massive drop in customer loyalty because, again, everybody expects you to answer the phone. It's a 51% decline in customer advocacy if you don't answer the phone. And so conversely, if you look at social media, uh, if you answer a question in social media, complaint it, you get a 20 to 25% lift. If you don't, it's a little bit less uh, of a penalty because, again, they don't expect it to happen. You know, uh, Jay, I was just experiencing something kind of while I was reading your book that connected those dots for me a little bit because uh, my son takes a parkour class at a small local independent gym. They're the only one, you know, the the guy who runs the place is one of the main teachers. And they emailed a group of us, the parents, and and I don't know if they emailed everybody or if it was a selected group, but they basically said, hey, somebody blasted us on Google and we know who they are. And we uh, really believe that it's not true. So if you believe it's not true, we would really appreciate you kind of stepping up and giving nice. us a better review. But my favorite part of it, and I just blogged about it actually, was how they ended with, and by the way, if you ever have anything to tell us, like, we really want to hear from you. Here are all the different ways you can contact us. And I was so impressed by that because I thought, you know, as a small business owner, that's got to hit you in the gut. And Ugh. When you went, when we saw the review, of course, it was a nonsense review. Like it wasn't constructive at all. There was a bunch of f bombs and, you know, the worst place ever, but no real explanation. And it was somewhat anonymous and all of that stuff. So I thought that was just such a brilliant way to handle it. And I was reading your book at the same time, kind of thinking, this guy is connecting with what this really means. Like that he has more control over this than just running away, which I think is a, a natural reaction in today's marketplace sometimes. Oh, it's such a natural reaction, especially for small business, because as a small business person, when someone leaves you negative feedback, they're essentially saying that your baby is ugly. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> is a challenge. And, and actually, one of the, my favorite parts about the book is that we interviewed some psychologists and talked about what is the brain chemistry impact uh, of negativity, right? And you mm -hmm. actually like it, it like turns your head, you know, uh, into, into mush. And so that's where you see a lot of businesses respond to negativity in a very inappropriate way and it takes a bad situation uh, and and makes it worse but it is such a mature perspective to say look some of the feedback we get is going to be outlandish and that's the nature of online feedback in particular mm -hmm. um, but we realize that that this kind of feedback is is what we need to get better and and, and I don't talk about this in the book but you know what's the most overrated thing in the world what the most overrated thing in the world is praise ah. praise because praise teaches you nothing. Every time somebody says, Jeannie, you're so amazing at this. Adam, you're so fantastic at that. 
it feels great, right? Psychologically, it feels great. It's like a hit of dopamine, mm-hmm. but you already knew that. No, <laughs> nobody, nobody ever says, you're really great at that. Really? I had no idea. That never happens. Mm-hmm. What makes you better, what is the Petri dish for improvement, is criticism. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for businesses, both large and small, to, to ignore and dismiss haters to say, well, that customer's lying. They're a bad customer, quote unquote. But realize that these people are going out of their way to use their time mm-hmm. to tell you what you could be doing better. And, and that really is free market research. And it doesn't happen nearly as much as you think. Um, according to, to several different studies, 5% of unhappy customers ever complain in a way that the business can find, which means that 95% of unhappy customers never complain in a way that you can find it. So every time somebody does take the time to call you out uh, on Facebook or email or phone or a blog or in person, you can almost be sure that that person represents a large number of other customers who had a similar complaint, but just never voiced it. Interesting. You know, it's really fascinating. I come from small business and I wonder, I have a tactical question for you. Because you make such great points about negativity and how do you respond and how people naturally respond. Obviously, you Mm -hmm. have to govern that. So Mm -hmm. what do you tell somebody who's sort of reads your book and goes, okay, I'm inspired. I want to get it. I want to start responding to my people online, all of this. And they haven't done it in three years. Should they go back and respond to everyone or should they just start with where they're at or start with the things that are two months old? I mean, it's a very tactical question, but I think it's a real conundrum for some small business people that are doing No, I get it. I get that question all the time uh, when I do the keynote version of this. And I don't actually have a page about this in the book. And I desperately wish I did. Uh, I just missed the the cutoff for edits. And I'm like, oh, I should have put that in there. So uh, the reality is, is that when people are looking at at ratings and reviews in particular, the the behavior is they'll scroll down a little bit to kind of get a flavor of the reviews to see sort of the, the general gist. It is a very, very, very unusual circumstance that somebody's going to go back page after page after page after page after page and read them all the same way you wouldn't go to page 17 of Google search results, right? It's the mm-hmm. same dynamic. So what I tell everybody is it doesn't matter what sites uh, impact your business, whether it's Yelp or uh, realself.com, which is what I talk about in the book, which is a ratings and review sites for plastic surgery where you can go and give one to five stars to your recent butt lift. Um, <laughs> or uh, or uh, mine's about a 3.5. Uh, or... Uh, or a- or Angie's List or ApartmentRatings.com or PlumberRatings.com or whatever, right? Every industry has sites like this now. Mm-hmm. Go back and answer, even if it was years ago, go back and answer the first two to three pages full, first two to three screens um, worth of reviews. And even if it was three years ago, be like, hey, this is a long time ago. We realize, um, sorry, it's taken so long to get back to you, but we really do appreciate your feedback. Um, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Just go on record because again, Customer service is a spectator sport. It's not about making that initial hater happy, although that would be great. It's about recognizing that tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people are going to see how you handled it in the future. And I got to tell you, a lack of an answer to a complaint is an answer. Mm -hmm. It's an answer that says, we don't care enough about you to even respond. Mm. That's that's quite an emotion <laughs> neglect you know <laughs> yeah i mean it really is and, and the yeah. thing is it's so crazy genie because we would never think about treating customers this way in three dimensions right you would never think about saying okay here's the deal 
um, we're going to answer one out of four phone calls, <laughs> right? Or, or we're going to only answer phone calls on the number that we prefer. Mm-hmm. But online, we like, oh, yeah, that's how we do it. We answer, you know, some reviews every once in a while. Other ones we just ignore. Or we answer them on Facebook but not on Twitter or, or whatever your mm-hmm. weird kind of, you know, um, system is. And, and we would never think about doing that uh, offline. And it's crazy because the balance of, of complaint is shifting so quickly to online. Uh, in the UK just last year, an 800% increase in social media complaints about business. Because, of course, it's much faster and easier to complain on a smartphone, on an app, than it is to email or, or wait on hold, uh, certainly. And, and consumers are figuring this out. And so you think about where we're going to be in a short period of time. I mean, I've got two kids in high school, and, and they have no interest in the telephone. I mean, like literally mm-hmm. none. Uh, you can't even force my son to use the phone at bayonet point, right? But, <laughs> but you know, they'll, they'll Snapchat and they'll Instagram and they'll Twitter and their texts and all those things. So think about what your customers are going to want to do and how they're going to want to contact you in the near future. And I realize and I completely acknowledge in the book that to say, look, we're going to answer every complaint in every channel every time, which is, in fact, the hug your haters formula. To do that requires resources. And what I hear mm-hmm. from companies all the time is we don't have the resources to do that, to which I say that's completely BS. Mm-hmm. You have resources. You just choose to not deploy them that way. But you do that at your own peril. We have to stop answering customers in the channels that we prefer and start answering customers in the channels that they prefer. Amen. Preaching <laughs> to the choir here. Hallelujah. I know. You know. You know. Um, we're on the same team, kid. <laughs> well, and I think it's it is really fascinating because when you think about the in real life world versus the, you know, virtual world if you will of all these different channels that we use, uh there is this huge disconnect in some organizations between okay, if I've got somebody at the front counter or somebody calling in, we're going to address that immediately, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um but if they are complaining or asking for feedback or all these different mechanisms or all these different needs through these different mechanisms, you know, we handle those differently. And in some ways that dovetails into your discussion about the offstage and onstage mm-hmm. differences. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference in how maybe we need to treat them. And so I'm wondering, can you kind of give us the high level view? Because I know you go into that in the book a bit, but of, you know, how can companies look at these these groups and understand what they're really motivated by and how do they need to respond to them? What what are the differences between somebody at the counter versus somebody on Yelp? Yeah, and somebody at the counter expects and wants an answer, right? That, that's mm-hmm. That's their motivation. Somebody on Yelp or Facebook or a discussion board or many other places, in most cases, they may not want an answer. What they actually want is an audience. And we we measured against that quite a bit in the research. And and what we mean by that is if you complain about a business on Facebook, for example, um, you don't expect necessarily the brand to get back to you as we talked about. What you really want is all your friends to say, oh, that sucks. I'm so <laughs> sorry that happened to you. What you want is a tsunami of group empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's different than I need to get change to park at the meter or whatever your face-to-face <laughs> interaction is, right? And so um, it's a different set of circumstances and a different psychology uh, online uh, because people are, they feel wronged. But one of the things that we neglect, and, and I know um, you guys know this, is that 
In many cases, the onstage haters, the people who are complaining on the internet, started off as offstage haters. And this happens with shocking regularity. Mm -hmm. Somebody calls. It was too long to wait on hold. They email, took too long to get back to them. So now they're now they're twice wronged, right? They're upset with whatever they were upset with. And now they're mad at your uh, traditional customer service team, phone or email for not being fast enough. So now they take it public. Now they go to Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, et cetera. And now there's somebody who could have been handled in private. And now this has to play out in public because your traditional teams were not quick enough. When our company gets called in, to do consulting for these kind of projects. And people say, can you help us with our social media and our digital customer service? We say, yes, we can. Um, But are you great at phone and email support? Because if you're not great at phone and email support, you've got no business worrying about social media customer support Mm -hmm. because all you're going to do is create more social media problems because (laughs) you're not good enough at phone and email. And this happens all the time. In the Netherlands, for example, this amazing research from the Netherlands says that 71% of the people who complain in social media started off complaining on phone or email and weren't happy. And then they took it public. They raised the stakes. Mm -hmm. Crazy, crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know from my own personal experience, uh, we had a situation with our home alarm. I mean, we tried for like years to get it fixed. And I wrote a blog and the head of customer service called me. <laughs> and I was like, seriously? <laughs> like, um, And same thing with uh, American Airlines. We had a situation yeah. with them. And it was amazing because you want to tell them like they're kind of upset that you took it public and you want to say yes. back to them like, okay, wait, let's let's back this up and talk yeah, about what actually you. happened. Yeah. So that's it, it's fascinating, though, because actually the guy who came to repair our alarm, uh, he said, yeah, it says here that this is complimentary. That's pretty unusual. He said, what'd you do? Tweet about it? <laughs> and I, As a matter I, of fact. I said, actually. <laughs> but you can see there must be a pattern, you know, like this guy must have been called in for that several times. Of course. And in and, and big companies, we see all the time where you've got a customer service team um, that is primarily legacy. Uh, and they're measuring things like handle time and all the traditional metrics. And then you have a social media team, which in many cases is an outcropping of marketing, um, who are trying to do support using those channels. And they're not even in the same building or the same state, certainly not the same managers, not the same software, not the same mathematical objectives. Uh, and that's where you get this mom says one thing and dad says the other <laughs> thing kind of scenario, which drives customers crazy. Right now, you can still exploit some of those loopholes. And you see that all the time with customers um, who, who say, well, I got a better treatment on Twitter than I did on the phone. Uh, but but we've got to solve this, right? We've got to think about customer support horizontally, not vertically. And, and it's, uh, it's a tough challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I think there's a little bit of a dog training aspect to this, which is when they have these experiences at other companies, they learn that the way to get what they want is to go straight to social media. And then when they go to your company and you haven't responded in 30 minutes, you know, they, they light you up because that, because that's how they get the reward. Uh, so I think there's some self-fulfilling prophecy in there. I don't know if you've seen that as well. Oh, completely. I mean, anybody who's got a better experience in social media than they've got in traditional, you have now trained that person to go to social media first. And, and that may be desirable because it's actually less expensive to handle somebody in social. Um, that may be your plan. Uh, but but we are training customers to to use those channels. Um, and, and the other thing that's that's kind of interesting uh, about that is is we are in a circumstance um, where where 
customers are, are sort of making choices now that, that they're going to pursue over a long period of time, right? So they're going to end up being somebody who consistently goes uh, to Facebook all the time or, or even more so WhatsApp or WeChat uh, or Facebook Messenger. There's all these new places for customer support as well. Uh, and that's going to be their preferred channel. So it's not just a one-off. It becomes a pattern of behavior, which then impacts how you staff, how you resource your software, everything. It is a brave new world. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, this has been great, Jay. So I want to wrap up with one final question. Out of everything you found in the research, what surprised you most? Oh, wow, that's a really great question. Um, I, I think what I'll say two, two small things. One is that, is that how much, how often people are ignored online which I knew anecdotally, but to put math against it was really shocking, like how rare it is really um, for, for somebody to get an answer from a company online. Now, we, we can all point out the examples to the contrary. You know, Zappos is so great at Facebook or whatever, right? But, but those, are, those are the exceptions that prove the rule that most people suck at this. <laughs> um, so that, that, was, that was staggering just to, to see the math. The other thing, speaking of social media, that was a real shock to me is that if you look at complaints in social, if I say, which of the social media channels uh, is the customer service channel, what would you say? Mm. Uh, Twitter. Right. Exactly. Everybody who does this for a living, even partially, would say Twitter. You've got lots of companies, large and small, who have at company name cares or at company name help. They've got separate Twitter accounts just for customer service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the party line in the industry is that Twitter is where people go to customer support. Our research found that only 17% of social media complaints are on Twitter. 71% are on Facebook. Uh, and, and, and very few companies uh, are, are cued that way, are, are tuned to support um, customers in Facebook in any meaningful way. Uh, that was probably the most surprising thing we found. Wow. And I think Facebook has some work to do on that because on the other side, it's awkward um, sometimes to see the feedback and yes. to respond to it. So yes. what they're trying to do, Jeannie, um, and this is even like in real time over the last month or so, even since the book was finished, is Facebook is, is aggressively trying to move businesses to use Facebook Messenger mm -hmm. uh, for support and, and off of pages, um, which is actually probably good for, for brands if, uh, if, that, if that works out. And so that Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp are, are the two pieces that Facebook really wants to use as the tip of the spear for customer support in the next generation. Interesting. Interesting. Because that's a whole other layer of kind of offstage, right? Right. Yeah. It's so, right. Exactly. It's really fascinating. It's sort of like, it's like private, but yet digital. Yes. Yeah. It's like a hybrid. Awesome. Interesting. Oh. Wow. Yeah. I could talk about that for another 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. This has been fantastic. And uh, it's just as fascinating as I thought. And I love to see where this stuff is going, too, because I think we're, we're right there. We're going to see a lot more innovation in the next couple of years around this. Um, but, Jay, this seems like a silly question for you because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think uh, everybody knows this. But just in case somebody would like to follow up with you or find out more about you, where can they find you on the Internet? Now, you're on the, the best, Internet, right? I'm on, I'm on the Internet. <laughs> okay, just check it. <laughs> the best place right now is at HugYourHaters.com where you can buy the book. There's all kinds of special bonus offers if you buy the book from me as opposed to from Amazon or somebody like that. I'll ship it for free in the U.S. and Canada. All kinds of special stuff, including I Love Haters socks, which Ooh. are truly awesome. Uh, all kinds of cool <laughs> stuff. HugYourHaters.com. Uh, or the best place to find me, uh, our blog, our podcast, daily email, convinceandconvert.com. 
Yeah, and I highly recommend those emails. They're thank you. You the last uh, couple of years, I think you've really upped your game too. I think it's been really great to see what you've been doing. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on the book, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross. IRL as the kids I say. I hope so. <laughs> F T F F two F. F F yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, Jay. We really appreciate it and uh love your book. So congratulations. Thanks, guys. It's very Th- kind of you. Thanks, Jay. We hope you enjoyed episode 96 of Crack the Customer Code. This episode was brought to you by Audible. Don't forget to sign up for your free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. And listen to books by Jay Bear. I'm Adam Tapork, and you can find out more about me at customersatstick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters. Don't forget, you can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. Stay current on customer experience trends and insights and be among the first to hear about upcoming webinars, learning opportunities, and more by signing up at 360connects.com slash subscribe. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.